amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio. Three, two, one, we're live. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Deal, and I am you're listening to Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio, and I'm joined by my by my host, hopefully, because we are having a little bit of technical difficulties this morning, and I'm joined by Rashida D.A. Sifu, can you hear me, or can I hear you? I can hear you. Hear me. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can't. I I cannot hear you. So what? <laughs> you're breaking up what? really bad, like you're underwater. Oh no! I want to fix that. Yes. So I am sitting here eating a Carl Jr. breakfast burrito. Now, Carl Jr. is the only place that I know of that the requirement to work there is. You cannot know how to wrap a burrito because they don't. <laughs> so, did yours fall apart? Well, she break- is still breaking up. I wonder if we can fix the mic. What's wrong with it? I don't know. I'm like. I'm getting a feedback loop, and I can hear myself just fine in my monitor um, ear set. But if you can't hear me, then that's weird. Nope. You're breaking up really, really bad. Okay. Okay. I'm going to try. I'm going to hang up from the – well, no, I can't hang up from the sake of network hosting because it might take us off the air. You want me to to hang up and try going in? Yeah, try that and see what happens. I I couldn't hear you. <laughs> try that and see what happens. Okay, I will call right okay. back. Okay. All right, sorry about the technical difficulties, folks. Um, I think it's because my computer is running a, a disk scan and it's taking up all the resources. And um, I can't, uh, for some reason, I can't turn it off. Now, earlier, um, my computer was saying that it was 10.50 for 10 minutes. That's how how slow my computer was running. So um, I'm going to guess. Oh, here's Bob again. All right, Bob, can you hear me now? Now I can hear you. Okay, good. All right. 
Maybe it was just a weird connection or something. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. No, I'm going to try this. I'm going to mute the phone because I'm on the phone right now. I'm going to go back to the studio mic. Let me try that. How about now? Oh, that's, I, I'm getting feedback so far I can hear you. Oh, okay. That means okay. I get to hang up. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're, you're reverbing. Good. I okay, so I I uh, I hung up, so that's why because you were getting the speaker. Oh, I get the speaker out the phone, right? Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, we are we are we are running late. <laughs> Bob just got home. I just walked into the studio literally ten minutes before we went on the air, and I went to go boot up my computer, and of course it takes today to do a disc scan and I think that's how I set it up because I'm you know usually not here uh 11 o'clock on a Sunday and I think I'm going to turn that off after we go off the air today but anyway folks our phone number here is 347-677-0699 it is our Sunday brunch show and it is open mic afternoon so sit back relax grab a beverage of choice um that in- that includes uh, Bloody Marys and stuff like that <laughs> grab a snack and uh feel free to give us the call three three four seven six seven seven zero six nine nine and you can talk about anything martial arts related you can ask us questions and stuff like that we've already got a few uh subject submissions from uh, fans via messenger um that uh, may or may not be able to call in and talk with us about it but they're, they're, it's going to be great for uh for uh being to uh, talk about stuff. All right, but that'll be later. We'll open the phone lines at about 1130 or so. All right, so let's get to happenings and announcements. What's going on in your end of the world there, Bob? Well, let's see. We've still got uh, uh, Gathering the Champions coming up on October 15th. Right. Uh, which will be cool. You'll be coming in out of retirement, flying down here just for that. And, and uh, Reed's Active Martial Arts is going to be there. Uh, it's going to be a really good day. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be really fun. And I'm mainly going just to see what, what, you know, competition is like after, you know, 15 years, whether I win or lose or whatever, you know, it's, um, it's, it's always the experience, you know, and that's easier said than done, especially for like, you know, kids where they want to win. Right. Kids, if you're out there listening, you know, remember, it is all about the learning experience. It's about the camaraderie, meeting new people, learning new things, because you can learn something from each and every one of the people you compete with. So it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be really fun. Uh, yeah, what else is going on over there? What's the weather like? It's raining over here. <laughs> Wet, weather's beautiful over here right now. It's been a little bit cooler where you actually almost had to wear a jacket a couple times, up in the morning and at night. Uh, but weather is amazing right now. It, it did heat up in almost the triple digits yesterday. <coughs> holy uh, moly. Yeah. So uh, my daughter's first week of college is seems to be going really well. Uh, if they don't suck every bit of dime, penny, quarter out of my wallet. <laughs> Which they will, they will try. Uh, already, I've, I I spent. She she went shopping on Amazon the other day. It just cost me 130 bucks. 
I gave her five rolls wow. of quarters and fifty dollars to go buy a book on on Thursday. So this is her first week, and it's already cost me a few hundred dollars. Wow! Jeez, can't wait. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're watching our grand our grand our grandbaby today. So that'll that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, my my son always calls uh, us up. He did yesterday, but we ended up having to work. And says, "Can you guys watch the baby today? I I need some rest. I haven't been able to sleep." And like, uh, we're going to work. Welcome to fatherhood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's you know it it's it's funny because it's like it you know he's a father now. And and I I got to do this I got to do that. Can you watch the baby? And it's kind of like they forget that you guys had nobody. When, <laughs> you know, right. Well, when we did were... have my mother, but True. it was really funny because one time, my, this was really funny. My wife comes home, and Bree was oh maybe eight months to a year old. And Brandon and I are passed out on the couch, dead to the world, <laughs> sleeping. And Brianna is sitting up, and my wife comes home and starts laughing. She says, this is like the Bernstein Bear. <laughs> the adults are asleep, and the baby is awake. <laughs> I said, absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, well, it was raining earlier. It rained all night. Um, and it's, it's muggy because it's like in the upper sixties, almost seventies, um, over here, but it's just weird muggy. Ugh, it's that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's, it gets sticky and ugh. yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of gross. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah. um, let's see what other events do we got going on here? Um, well, later on in October. We've got the uh, USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame, um, held by none other than Sensei Jim Thomas and Sensei Laurie Hallmark. Let me uh, get on the uh, on the thing here and just kind of see see what's up with that. It's going to be the weekend of. It's funny. I've got like paperwork everywhere regarding yeah the the weekend of the 22nd now uh friday i think that's the 21st there is a martial arts business symposium uh, a conference um where teachers and soon-to-be teachers can get together and discuss marketing strategies retention strategies what works what doesn't um business ideas and uh class ideas and stuff like that so you know if you are um even if you haven't been nominated do consider coming to that symposium because it's going to be it's going to be very it's going to be very cool the um uh the saturday the 22nd see i don't have a calendar in front of me saturday the 22nd um is the awards banquet uh plus seminars uh, seminars will be held from like i believe eight o'clock until I forget three o'clock or something like that. I I forget or five o'clock. Um, and there's going to be like um, that list of whoever's teaching um, has not been released yet that I could see. But uh, um, I'm going to be teaching, and uh, I know some other locals are going to be teaching. So um, so stay tuned for a list of who's going to be teaching at um, at that. Um, and then on Sunday, 
the 23rd is the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame Classic Tournament. And that's going to involve kata, kumite, breaking, uh, weapons, uh, demonstrations, and stuff like that. It'll be, um, it'll be very cool. So even if uh, uh, you haven't been nominated, do consider coming and uh, supporting that tournament and competing because it's open to any style. So, um, so anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of cool. All righty. Um, one more um, thing here because um, it's actually been um, posted to my wall a lot and posted at least a couple times on Dynamic Dojo um, Talk Radio. And this is the uh, All-Pro Taekwondo Hall of Fame that is hosted by Mr. Andrew Finelli. And uh, and I'm, uh, I, I just want to put this out there because it was on my timeline like five times. <laughs> I figure maybe, maybe he wants it announced. Oh, okay, sure. I'll go ahead and do that. It's going to be October. Uh, shoot. You know how you, when you pull up a picture, it's too small? And I'm sitting here with my with my fingers on my laptop trying to blow it up, you know, trying to pinch and zoom. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> I'm like, that didn't, that didn't work. Um, let me see here. Uh, I'm going to have to search for it a different way. <coughs> uh, I can't find the event either. But October 30th, and oh, that's weird. Anyway, um, there's uh, there's a bunch of people that are that are gonna be there. Malia Bernal is one of them. Uh, Don the Dragon Wilson, Superfoot Bill Wallace, Mike Stone, Billy Blanks, Fumio Demura, um, a whole bunch of people. I just can't see their pictures to see you know who they are. However, um, on oh, not the not the thirtieth. I think it's on the 29th, the, oh, wait, hold on. No, I take that back. No, it's on the 30th, but there's also a super seminar series that has Mike Stone, uh, Bill Wallace, Don Wilson, Billy Blanks, and Fumio Demura uh, from 8 to 1 p.m. So anyway, check that out. If you uh, want more information about the All-Pro Taekwondo Hall of Fame, just look up All-Pro Taekwondo Hall of Fame on Facebook. There you go. All righty. Any other announcements on your end there, Bob? Oh, sorry. My, my wife started talking to me because I muted the, the, the mic. I know. Oh, that's okay. on my end. All right. Uh, okay. Well, with that said, let's go to birthdays. Who do we have for birthdays on, on your end there, Bob? Birthdays. Today we have Ewart Chin and Veronica Kempel and Riley Conroy all on the same day. <coughs> and we wow. have the CEO for the Masters Hall of Fame on the 23rd, Hanchi Daniel Hecht. How cool is that? <laughs> All right, I'm going to go through my list here. Uh, a one hop kendo uh, older brother of mine, Mr. Christian Wolf. His birthday is today. Um, what else here? A previous student of mine who is uh, now a Marine, if I remember correctly, John Monroe. His birthday is also today. And let's see here. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. And upcoming birthdays, we've got Lois Skidmore, uh, previous Tai Chi student of mine, Teresa Graham. 
we've also got, let me keep going down my list here. We've got Rick Bear. His birthday is on the 21st. And uh, John Shin also on the 21st. And um, you mentioned Shuni B, right? No. Okay. Shuni B is on September 22nd. Um, You said Daniel Hecht. And Jason Harris is on the 22nd. We've also got uh, Shanna Rice DeReyes on the 22nd also. And then on Saturday, the 24th, a previous Tai Chi student of mine, Johnny Marie Gilman, um, a skilled uh, whip, whip enthusiast, Tim Kiss, and Harry Shivery, who used to have a show with us on the Seika Network. A uh, previous student of mine, Zachary Burton, also on that day, Saturday the 24th. So for everyone having a birthday, the week uh, the week of the 18th through the 24th, this song is for you. We sing happy birthday to you, and may all your dreams come true. Happy, happy birthday. Where I fart. 
I, I should, oh my I god. I shouldn't laugh at that, but you know, that takes more words than saying just kiss my ass. I, I know. Doesn't it? Why don't you lick yes. me when I fart? That is just the stupidest thing I'd ever heard. And the stupidest I've, I've never heard action. That. I've never heard that, but it's the stupidest action if you're a teacher. But go on. Please yes. go on. So the Ontario <laughs> College of Teachers which licenses which licenses as educators in the Canadian province suspended her for a month without pay while it investigates the matter, according to the uh, Bradford Ex- Expositioner. The teacher's rhetorical question became publicly public knowledge this week when the Oct- October Oct Oct that's weird uh-huh. accused Green Johnson of two separate charges of swearing and vulgarity in the classroom, according to the 640toronto.com. In March 2015, Green Johnson allegedly slapped a male student on the head and told him to grow some balls. (laughs) (laughs) I shouldn't have laughed at that. Oh, that's... (laughs) Her, Her employee, the... The Grand Erie District School Board suspended her for one day without pay. Green Johnson is also accused of swearing at students during the school year. Calling wow. one a blood a blood wow, this one sucks. Called what? one a bloody pedophile. Oops. And telling another she looked like a frumpy old lady in February. Oh my god. <laughs> She's kinda harsh. The school board suspended her for six days without pay for the incident. Can you see a pattern here? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, there's a pattern. <laughs> uh, other the, than the fact that they're acquis- all jerks. But <laughs> yes, yes. Other than that, uh, these acquisitions came about a week after the OCK reported the findings of a previous investigation against Green Johnson. In its professional magazine, according to the Canadian Broadcasting Company, mm-hmm. according to a disciplinary report released in January, Green Johnson pled no contest to charges of abuse of a student verbally, mm-hmm. physically, psychologically, or emotionally in instances going back as far as 2011. The wow. report shows that Green Johnson admitted to calling students stupid, idiots, gay, <sighs> and son of a bitch. According Holy to the Brad, wow. wow. I know, right? <laughs> Just makes me want to, um, okay. <laughs> well, you're close enough to go up and slap her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right? It, you know, okay. Now, I don't have kids, but, you know, I teach enough to know that, you know, if I did have kids, if any of their teachers at their school talk to my kid like that, they're going to be talking to my hand, talking really up and close and hard, right up against their eardrum. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this one, it says some of the more uh, findings include that she told a student who was carrying another student on his back, so you like it from behind. What? 
and told what? one class while they were watching a film with nudity that it was impossible to see the actor's penis without a microscope. Jeez. Oh, Slap. She also <laughs> accidentally hit a male student in his groin while trying to stop two students who were swinging binders at each other. Accidentally? Accidentally. <laughs> the Ox suspended Green Johnson for a month but made it retroactive to coincide with the school board suspension from December 5th, 2011 to February 2nd, 2012. This was done wow. to avoid additional disruption of her class, according to the Bradford ex- Exquisition. I can't even say a word today. God, I was not drinking this morning. <laughs> the newspaper asked school board official Scott Sincerbox about Green Johnson's case, but he said he could not address her case specifically. Hmm. He did say that the board practices a progressive discipline process that ranges from conversation to verbal warning up to termination. Wow. I say just take out back and get crap out of it. <laughs> right? You know, okay, so Bob and I, I just want to let our listeners know, Bob and I normally are not like, you know, condoning of violence. But I'm sorry. You know, these are teachers, and they're there to help you educate your child. And you would think that teachers should be nurturing, helpful, supportive, any teacher that tells some kid to basically kiss their ass, you know, or makes comments about their wee-wees or whatever, they shouldn't be a teacher. What the heck? <laughs> right. It makes no sense. I mean, uh, right there. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's that's enough of that. Well, let's do this. We've got... Uh, we've got an old friend of ours and a sometimes guest co-host on the line with us, and he didn't press one, but I'm going to pull his line up anyway. <laughs> hey, Wayne, Sensei Wayne, how you doing, brother? Doing good. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Thanks for joining us. Doing so, great. So, yeah, I know you didn't press one, but I put you on the line anyway. Is that cool? Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> awesome. You put him on, you put his line up. You put him on his button. Is that cool? Of course. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, kind of like, you know, the guys that like, you know, try to hit on me at the bars, you know, I slap them, they fall down. Sorry, but you touched me first. Is that cool? So. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> anyway, how's, how's stuff going over there, Sensei Wayne? Going good. <laughs> good, 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 good. All right. Well, you get to join us for the rest of the uh rest of the uh, open mic and if you have any subjects you want to talk about that's very cool all right well let's uh move on to the yay okay 4 45 p.m pacific standard time coolio was just officially booked in possession of a firearm by a felon so that means he already has a felony and he had a possession of a firearm Cops tell him, even though Coolio's bodyguard first claimed possession of the bag, a quick investigator determined other items inside it belonged to Coolio. 
Cops say huh. the rapper had already boarded a plane and they took off to join his his guard to que- for questioning. We're told Coolio fessed up to the owning of the bag and it was determined the gun had been stolen. Both were arrested for possession of a stolen loaded firearm. Oh, my God. This guy's a moron. (laughs) I know, right? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Dang. Uh, All right. Well, that's, I think that's it for entertainment news. Um, what I want to do now is uh, get into a few more health tips. All right. This is a continuation from last week where I presented some strange but true health tips. All right. I'm going to do another three right now. All right. So strange but true health tip number one for this week is... Skip the energy drinks when you're tired. Energy drinks contain up to five times more caffeine than coffee. But the boost they provide is fleeting and comes with unpleasant side effects like nervousness, irritability, rapid heartbeat, and so on. Plus, energy drinks often contain high levels of taurine, a central nervous system stimulant, and upwards of 50 grams of sugar per can. That's like 13 teaspoons, folks. That's crazy. Now, this, uh, this sweet drink stuff spikes blood sugar temporarily only to have you crash soon after, leaving you sluggish and foggy-headed and reaching for yet another energy drink, <laughs> which kind of defeats the purpose. Um, and yeah, that's, it's, they're gross. You know, I, I used to drink, um, uh, Red Bull when I used to go to the clubs and stuff like that. And, oh my God, by itself, it tastes like somebody crushed up vitamins and put it in Gatorade. It, it was just nasty. So you had to spike it with vodka or something like that to make it palatable. Right. Ugh. So that, so now you're just an energetic wide awake drunk. <laughs> Anyway, uh, strange but true health tip number two for the week is drink water when you're bloated. Okay, so a lot of people tend to think that it goes against all intuition and stuff like that. Um, and it and for some, some will think that drinking water uh, would make matters worse because you're bloated. However, it can often help, says James Lee, MD, a gastroenterologist with St. Joseph Hospital in Orange, California. If you're on a high-fiber diet, for instance, then your body needs more water to work more efficiently. Water mixes with water-soluble fiber and makes it into a gel-like substance. This affects the motility of the gut and reduces the symptom of bloating. Drinking more water also relieves bloating caused by dehydration. So believe it or not, you can get that weird bloated feeling if you're low on water. Uh, When you're dehydrated, your body clings to the water your body does have, causing you to puff up. So there you go. All right. And let's do one more. Drink a hot beverage to cool off on those hot days. So if given a choice, which will cool you off faster on uh, on a steamy summer morning, iced coffee or hot? Well, two recent studies say that the latter, the hot coffee, will do so um, as, as it's done in other cultures where drinking like hot tea or uh, warm water in hot weather is the, is the norm. So 
places like India, the Philippines, and stuff like that. When you sip a hot beverage, your body senses the change in temperature and increases your sweat production. Then, as the sweat evaporates from your skin, you cool off naturally. So there we go. (laughs) That's it for my health tips for the week. So why don't we do this? Uh, We're running just a couple minutes behind, but it is open mic here at the dojo, open floor at the dojo. So what we're going to do first is we're going to take a short four-minute break, and when we come back, feel free to call in and talk about anything you want. We already have a few uh, fan-submitted subjects for discussion, but uh, give us a call, 347 Six seven seven zero six nine nine, or hit us up on the Blog Talk Radio Show Marquee. So, if uh, you're listening to this by finding us on Facebook and clicking the link, just scroll down the marquee a little bit. You'll find a chat board. You can go there. Um, otherwise, I am going to post another link to the show, a current link to this particular live show, and you can put your submissions in the comments on that current post. So don't go away, folks. We'll be right back after this. High school is a time for figuring things out, like finding the square root of X when your ex won't stop texting you, or how to write an essay on 12th night the night before it's due. It's about making friends and making memories. It's about deciding where you fit, where you stand, and what you simply won't stand for. Long after class is dismissed, after you've left the hall and moved on with life, after you've forgotten all the answers to all the tests, you'll remember the day you figured out the kind of person you were gonna be. Stand up for someone being bullied and they'll never forget you. Stand up to bullying. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. The Heart Truth is a campaign sponsored by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute to raise awareness about heart health. One thing that everyone can do to support heart health is to get moving. Health and fitness expert Dr. Pamela Peek says that small steps can lead to big benefits. Throughout the day, just get up and move more. Park your car in the farthest parking spot. Find any excuse to walk as you live your busy life. The key to heart health is regular physical activity and a balanced diet. I help get my patients educated and motivated to stay active every single day. That's why I'm behind the Heart Truth campaign and those who partnered with it, like Diet Coke. Join them this month as they work to educate, inspire, and motivate by visiting dietcoke.com slash hearttruth. Inside this little Burbank building, this is the first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts. It, it really reflects on the style and the, the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin. Talking about the ninja here. Japan had the samurai. Here we go into our Korean section. In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial art. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and he doesn't know who Bruce Lee is. 
from the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime. Enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank. Hi, this is Frank Dukes. This is T. Joe Douglas Wong. Hi, this is Kumu Lua, Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show. The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do, you can email your suggestions and ideas to dynamic dojo radio host at gmail.com or you can also post it on the dynamic dojo facebook page you're listening to the dynamic dojo show with restita and robert your source for martial arts talk radio folks welcome back to dynamic dojo talk radio with Restita and robert we are also joined here uh by our friend and sometimes co-host sensei wayne riley um it is open mic here at the dojo so give us a call talk about whatever you want that's martial arts related do you have some training tips you want to share any uh tips for new instructors uh students that have questions for us regarding uh, training or anything like that, give us a call, 347-677-0699. Well, to start off our open floor discussion, uh, one of our uh, longtime fans, Pete Reif, had uh, asked if we could talk a little bit about the similarities between the uh, Pacific Rim styles of martial arts and uh, Chinese martial arts. So Pacific Rim, meaning like the Philippines, Japan, Indonesia, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I figured that would probably be, um, a good thing to, to talk about, um, in that sense. Now, if there are any martial arts masters that are listening, yes, we know that there are similarities between all the martial arts. However, we must remember that this radio show is also listened to by students, beginners, people that are very new or people that are interested in martial arts and have no idea what's going on. So uh, primarily this uh, question is for them. So um, let's go ahead and kind of do a round robin a little bit and uh, talk a little bit about what kind of makes the martial arts similar in this case, the Pacific Rim arts, Japan, Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, stuff like that from China. So why don't we uh, start with Bob? What are your What are your thoughts on the similarities between Pacific Rim and China in that aspect, Bob? Uh, you know that's actually a really tough question because they they have so many differences. But let's focus on the similarities. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we could talk all day about the differences. The differences, <laughs> right? Because like right. one one's linear. One moves side to side. One's got sticks as a weapon. Uh, the use of weapons, uh, even though they're different. Uh, right. When you're talking to the screamer, you're talking 30-inch. You could be talking a 5-foot Joe or a 6-foot staff or what right. have you. Uh, you know, they have I a know, lot of similarities right? in movement. Uh, yeah, yeah. 
you know, out, outside Black may be an outside snake. Right. Uh, where right. one is applied as a hard, one is applied as a soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the Japanese styles, they apply a block as a hit, where as a Kung Fu stylist, you might block, then hit. Right. Right. What about you, Sensei Wayne? Yeah. What are your thoughts on similarities? Uh, <clears throat> Hello? Hello, uh, yeah. For a minute, I know. For a minute there, I thought I, I muted your mic on accident. No, you're, yeah. you're here. You're here. Um, so what, what, what was the question again? The question is, um, you know, what, I mean, what are our thoughts about the similarities between quote-unquote Pacific Rim martial arts and Chinese martial arts, which I think is funny because, you know, I consider China to be part of the Pacific Rim, but anyway. Uh, well, right, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think Pete was talking more about, like, um, Philippines, Indonesia, Japan, um, you know, uh, stuff like that, you know. Um, right, right. And uh, so our thoughts on the similarities and what we think makes the the arts from between the Pacific Rim and China similar in that aspect. Now, um, we know that there's differences, but, you know, yeah. we're looking at the similarities, yeah. The similarities. Um, circular blocks, circular movements. You see a lot more of that in Chinese martial arts. Yeah. You know, whereas is most of the <laughs> Japanese are, uh, are uh, more hard block. Mm-hmm. You know, a reinforced mm-hmm. block. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like Bob said, you know, you got your different similarities with your stick arts, too. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, exactly. I don't know. It's. I know it's it, it it it's a it's a weird question because you know like yeah. last week we were talking about we were we were talking about the uh, the different categories of martial arts right we were talking about sport and traditional and modern martial arts you know what makes them tick what makes them different what makes them the same and the conversation um you know didn't didn't exactly stay with you know, what makes them the same or what makes them different, but rather why are there categories? So we can kind of almost bring a little bit of that discussion into answering this particular question that Pete asks, because, you know, really, why are there, you know, categories? Because, you know, there, there there's so many styles, right? I mean, there's Aikido, Hapkido, Judo, jiu-jitsu kung fu you know mma muay thai taekwondo i'm tai chi you know there's like and even within those those styles there are like many many sub styles you know under all of these martial arts so technically you know why are there so many styles i guess that is kind of i guess that should actually be the question if all of the martial arts have the same principles Right, because we can only move so many ways. We can only step so many ways. Right. We can only move yeah. our arms so many ways. Right. We can, you know, every art has its own method of, you know, footwork in regards to angulation and mapping targets and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Every martial art has its own version of hard block versus soft parry versus circular redirection. You know, it's just a matter of 
what that particular style focuses on in the way that suits their particular area's method of fighting. So we know that, right? So I guess the question is then, why should there be so many quote-unquote styles? So let's look at that particular question for a second. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Bob? So why is there like Kung Fu? Why is it called, you know, why does China have to call what they do Kung Fu? Why does, why does Thailand have to call what they do Muay Thai or Krabi Krabong? I mean, you know, what do you think? Wow. Now we're, we're talking <laughs> more know, on theory here. We're talking more on theory. Yeah, know, That's we, the reason why we're doing this. Yeah. We usually don't get this deep. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know, right? But, you know, I think it's something that, you know, if, if the masters that are, that are listening right now, if they want to join in on this conversation and give us their two cents worth, I think it'd be really helpful to, to many martial arts students because there are martial arts students that think that whatever they're doing is universal, which in a sense it is, right? You know, I'm, I see this with kids. You know, a lot of kids, when I was teaching karate, you know, they thought every other kid that did a martial art did karate. It didn't matter if they were doing kung fu, kajikembo, taekwondo, mudokwan, hapkido, whatever. Every, everybody else did karate, and they thought that whatever they did, every, every other kid did. In a way, it was great, then, great thinking, and they're right. And that, you know what I mean? And now it's like that with MMA. Yeah, yeah. You know, people, you know, people think that, well, I've, I've met people that think MMA is martial arts. Believe it or not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I was yeah, I was at the, the store a couple I was at the store a couple weeks ago and I was wearing I was wearing one of my Dose Paris shirts, you know, and it, on the back it said, you know, eighty years, you know, martial arts or this and that and the other. And um the guy the uh, an older guy behind me tapped me on the shoulder and goes, Excuse me, miss, do you do MMA? And I said, wait, well, I kind of do. I do kajikenbo, a, a version of kajikenbo, my method of kajikenbo that's a, a mixed martial art and stuff like that. Oh, so you don't compete in the UFC? And I'm like, no, I don't. Well, you just said you do martial arts. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> you know what I mean? So anyway, let's get back to Bob. So, you know, what's your guess? And again, we're guessing, we're theorizing here. This is no way historical. Why do you think, why do we think that there are so many names for martial arts? Well, you know, it had to start with a base somewhere, and we had to call it something. It's like saying, why is a house called a house? It That's a good way of putting it. Something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, why, why don't we call a house a car? Or why don't we call right. a car a mule? You know, something has to have a name associated with it right. so we can identify with it. Right. Uh, that's, that's a good and one. I like know, that. As a, you know <laughs> as a Kung Fu practitioner that, especially in the Kung Fu stylist, mo- a lot of the, the, the styles are derived from family. Yes. Yes. You know, so they have to have a name, let it be Yang, Chin, yeah. what have you. It has to it has to derive from somewhere, and that mm-hmm. I, I guess that's the biggest theory I got. That's a great theory. That's a great theory. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about the why there are so many names or variations of martial arts in Saint Wayne? I'm kind of seeing it the same way Bob is. Mhm. Mhm. You know. Yeah. 
I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, you know, it all boils down to the area you're from. Um, yeah. The, like, you know, like Nanchen, Nanchen, the Nanchen category of Chinese martial arts means southern fist, the style that was that was developed from whatever they picked up from traders and stuff practiced in the southernmost areas of China where the terrain right. is different and the, you know, the, the method of work and farming is different than like, let's say Northern styles, you know, or styles that imitate animals and stuff. So, you know, in that sense, in regards to Kung Fu, it, 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 it delves along what you're, what you're imitating or what area or what family you're from. And then there's like, you right. know, Japanese arts, right. That, um, that we're all, um, have, that we all have a, a, a bit of, um, experience in. It's not so much that karate is karate, right. It, you know, it's, uh, I would say that karate is like the concept, uh, the, the conceptual name or the name behind the concept of, Karate, you know, the use of an empty hand or nahate, right. okinawate or whatever, mm. right? You know, jujitsu, right? You know, or judo, the gentle way. Well, we know that if you get thrown by a judo person, it ain't so gentle, but <laughs> the, <laughs> but, you know, the concept behind it is use the other person's force against them, right? So, you know, you know, I think we all agree that in a sense there has to be a name for either for either region, family, concept behind the movement, or philosophy behind the movement, or philosophy in general, like Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to explain to a beginner student the other day that Tai Chi is not what we do. It's what kind of fuels the physical movements that we do. And so she was kind of confused about that. So I had to do the whole explanation about, okay, you know, let's draw a yin-yang symbol on the on the chalkboard here. You know what that is? She goes, it's a yin yang symbol. I'm like, it's called Tai Chi. <laughs> That's the name of the right, symbol. Right. Exactly. You know? And she's like, Oh, you know? And I said, you know, now look at the Tai Chi symbol. We always see it in two dimensions, but think of it in like three or even four dimensions. That's kind of what we're working with. That's the philosophy we want to work with when we're doing Tai Chi. She's like, Oh, Oh, Okay. I think I got it. Well, but know. did you did you show her your Starbucks cup and say this is what fuels my technique? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I actually had a cup of tea. I actually had a cup oh. of tea because it has a yin yang symbol on it. And uh, <laughs> oh. but no, I, I I I wouldn't have thought about that even if I had coffee. This is what fuels my technique. <laughs> uh, you know what, Rusty? I have a question for you that I heard last night, and I think it's a bunch of bull, and I want you to clarify it for me. Okay. Uh, so this came from a, a, a Tai Chi master. Okay. Third hand to me. Okay. And he said, you know how in some of your forms, there, there might be a large step over? Yes. Okay. Yeah. His theory is that the masters from thousands of years ago that used to do the form that technique is for stepping over dead bodies. Is that true? <laughs> wait. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. That's what I was told last night. So I want to make sure because it sounds like a bunch of crap. Um, well, you know, it's funny. I remember when I learned, when I learned a broadsword form, my first broadsword form, and there's this big sweeping um, 
uh, sweeping um, skip jump that comes forward before we go sideways. And in Chinese martial arts, they call it like a gazelle hop or whatever, a deer jump or whatever, right? Uh-huh. And the person that taught it to me said, this is for, well, you just, you just slapped them with the first movement and then you brought your blade arm around um, that was held in a carry ready position and you hit them with the butt end of your sword and then you swiped it across again using the, using the, the uh, blade of your, of your sword. So they're dying and they fall. So you have to get the next guy behind them by jumping over their dead body. And I kind of quirked my head like a like a dog that heard a high pitched noise. I was like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Now, I'm not going to completely laugh at it because I was taught that big steps, depending, big steps are to gain distance in in fighting application, or big steps can hide that you're actually making an entry for a throw, or a sweep, or a trip." Okay. It could also be that you're mm-hmm. moving offline. Okay, because Chen style has a lot of big steps. Okay, and uh, in application, it's all of the above. You know, to make an entry, to move out of the way to gain a better angle, to make an entry for a throw. You know, um, to make an entry to grapple. You know, or you've grappled them, and you want to bring them to the ground. That's where a big step comes in. So, you know, I really can't laugh at, you know, you're jumping over a dead body because in some styles of Iaido, <coughs> some of the techniques, some of the kneeling techniques or even the tachiwaza, the standing techniques, are based on they fell and you can't move your foot else with your sword or whatever to deal with another opponent or you have to step over them. So I really can't you know, laugh at it as much as I'd like to. <laughs> so because there I, is actually yeah. truth in it. There, there has to be some grain of truth somewhere in, in whatever style was being practiced. Okay. Because in Eido, well, yeah, in Eido, I've practiced forms that dealt with like, oh, someone's like, you know, grab your scabbard. So that's why my draw looks all stupid, you know. But in reality, it's got a, it's got a, uh, 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 a function. Or somebody fell on your foot. You can't move your foot. And here's somebody else trying to cut your head off. What are you going to do? Okay. Or, you know, you cut them and you don't want them to run away. So you step on them, right? <laughs> and then you cut them. So you know, so there's all sorts of, you know, there's, there's truth in Iaido. So, you know, since we're talking that all the martial arts are very similar in, you know, mode of thought and, you know, stuff like that. So I really can't laugh at it. But when you first said that, I did. I, I, I cracked up the side. I was like, are you fucking serious? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the reason I ask is this this guy's kind of a nutbag. Oh, <laughs> oh man, so yeah, it's um, you know, but you know, in every kata, there's always a movement that people will look at and go, hmm. Like for example, you know, we've got a form called uh, Lohan Shibafa or Eighteen Hands of Lohan, and one of the one of the techniques is a horse stance with a side punch. 
right? Horse stance with a side punch, but the upper torso is leaned over a little bit. And I was okay. taught that it was to it was to provide more penetrating power with the punch, yet not uh, compromise the stability of your stance. Okay, I believed it for years until I learned the two-man set that that form went to because there's a, there's a set of two there's Lohan Shibafa one Lohan Shibafa two you put them together and you have Dwayne or a two man set two man well, set the, right yeah but the two man set for that movement is someone is putting you in a pulling arm bar and you're arm going bar, to right. get out of it so your upper body leans with it because they pulled you. And, you know, as a, a, a kata or a form gets passed down, after a while, the meaning gets lost and people just start imitating what their teacher taught them, right? Um, right, exactly. And if I didn't learn the two-man set, I would have still taught my students, you know, this is how you can keep your stance stable and still have penetrating power in that punch. You lean your upper body into it. I would have still taught that <laughs> to this day. Right. You know, so I think that, you know, all, you know, I think all katas have a movement that are, that, that students will kind of go, what is this for? This doesn't make sense. So like, you know, is there a kata in, in your system, Sensei Wayne, that your students have gone, wow, what is this for? Yeah. Yeah. There's uh there's a kata called uh, Kusan Ku. Oh, and, yeah, Kusanku. I mean, Kusan Which one? Ku, Show the, or die? Both of them um, are like, what is this for? <laughs> well, ours is actually a little different than Shorinru's. <clears throat> oh, okay, okay. Um, but but there's a movement in there that, they, that like the Shorinru styles only do do part of, and we do it do it twice, and that's where mm-hmm. you you uh, pick your foot up and you smack it up against your hand. And oh, right. And what you're right. supposed to do is lift yourself off the ground and then drop down onto – you know your your hands oh, and yeah. your uh, your feet yeah. in a in a like a like a plank position yeah and then you spin spin and do it again mm-hmm. and a lot of people a lot of the students they just it's one of the biggest questions what is that for yeah that was mine when I learned it because our version of Kusanku uh, does the same thing but we don't do it twice we just do it once because you know after right. you rip your groin once that's all you need right. <laughs> No right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you know, what was what was the bunkai that you were taught, and you know, ha- have you seen different types of bunkai to that movement as you grew in the art? Well, yeah, I've, I've seen several, but what I was taught was when the foot comes up to hit the hand, that's that's to basically kick kick the arm out of the way, and the body comes down to um, to uh, hit them across their ankle and mm-hmm. knock their, their foot out from underneath them and use it oh. as a take down. Mm-hmm. But oh. then, then you ask, well, why is there two? Yeah. You know. Mm. But uh, since they only gave Bunkai for one explanation on that, I guess you know, that they could Bunkai, lose, you know, to find on their own. Yeah. That Bunkai sounds sounds a bit more you know, applicable than the bunkai I was taught. I was taught that someone's swinging at your legs. 
<laughs> and you and you kick. How the hell are you gonna kick when some kick them in the head when someone's swinging at your legs? If you're at staff length, there's no way you're going to kick them in the head. Yeah. Right. But nope. you know, I believed it when I was like you know 15, 16. Right. You jump over the staff and you know. Uh, as you're kicking them and you drop down in that stand. So what does that mean? That you just landed on that staff? (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I, you know, I had wondered about that when I was a kid and we actually would practice it to see if it would work. And of course you'd always land on the staff or the staff would get in the way and it wouldn't let you actually come all the way down to the ground and you'd fall on your head and, you know, (laughs) and it just wouldn't work. (laughs) So, you know, and it's the, it's the same thing with Tai Chi, you know, like we have a posture called snake creeps down. And uh, it's it's one of those like low squatting deals, right? People go, you know, how the, how the hell are you ever going to use this, right? And uh, it's actually not supposed to go that low. It's it's supposed to be a uh, entry into a fireman carry throw. But Ooh. dropping that low strengthens your legs and keeps your center so that way you don't fall over when you do the throw. And, you know, the more I practiced the snake creeps down um, posture and did it correctly with the corrections from my teacher, the timing of the weight shifting and the timing of how the hands, you know, change from up to down and stuff make a whole hell of a lot of sense for a fireman carry throw. And I went, oh, well, that's cool, you know. But initially when I was very young, and was learning Tai Chi primarily for warm-ups for karate classes, I was taught that you were ducking under a punch and striking them in the groin or pressing their knee. And I'm like, well, there's no way I'm going to come up after that, you know, but I never questioned it. So, you know, it's amazing how, how, you know, one's, uh, you know, theories and stuff of bunkai or applications change you right. know, the more you practice a move. It's, it's, it's very fascinating. <clears throat> um, let's see here. Oh, I just got a just got a uh, ping from my student John. Uh, my student John says, uh, "Is there a morning show or this evening?" I just woke up. <laughs> I'm just gonna say we're on air right now. <laughs> so. Anyhow, so for any anyone that has just tuned in, if you have any subjects that you want to talk about um, or, or want to add to the conversation of what we're currently talking about, which is the similarities and or differences between the martial arts, um, you know, give us a call, 347-677-0699, or go to my latest uh, link post, um, a link to this particular live broadcast on my Facebook page, Rosita de Jesus, and uh, type up your stuff there. Um, I want to try to keep my messenger um, kind of free because it, it makes all sorts of noise and stuff. So so just, you know, write it in the comment section on my link there if you want to submit any, uh, any uh, subjects that uh, you'd like to hear us talk about. So very cool. Yeah, lots of similarities and um, – Boom kind of stuff. Now, with that said, let's let's kind of kind of go off the beaten path a little bit. Still kind of staying on the subject, but kind of not. Let's talk a little bit about okay. kata kata bunkai and how it applies to real world application. Because and this subject never gets old, um, but I don't hear it talked about very much. Um, and that is, right. you know, the 
you know, how does the kata, the traditional kata or traditional taulu or, you know, whatever you call it in your art, how does it apply to a modern, uh, a modern application? Now, we know that from last week's conversation that kata provides you with like a toolbox. It gives you tools to put in your toolbox and that uh, we already know from other past conversations that kata is kind of like the, the dictionary or the encyclopedia or the manual of techniques for your given style. But a lot of people will say, well, you know, that forward stance down block and lunge punch, that's going to do shit against me, who's pretty quick with a jab cross. You know, so what do we say to, to people like that? And it happens all the time. We can talk about this, uh, and I think it's just been <clears throat> us on this show that's yeah. talked about stuff like this a lot. Right, but, exactly. You know, but to tell you the truth, I, I, I think we really can't overdo this subject because everything changes, right? MMA changes. Mm-hmm. And so does, you know, people's, um, people's stereotypes about what, what kata is and how it doesn't apply to modern religion. So let's start with, let's start with Bob and Bob, what's your take on, you know, well, how does kata apply to real world? Well, you know, your analogy is funny because it says that, Forward stands that down block, that reverse punch won't work against me because I'm pretty quick with a jab cross. Anybody who goes into a forward stance, down block, reverse punch against a jab cross deserves to get hit in the face. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's true. Yes. I mean, if you, if you right. do the technique the way that it was prescribed in the kata, down block, lunge punch, you're going you're gonna to get hit in the face twice. Right? Yes. But now, what, what, what she was saying is so true about it's a toolbox. Now, the thing about kata is that it has no variance. It has to be the technique has to come at you exactly in the in the laboratory conditions of the dojo mm-hmm. to work to work in the fashion that it was designed for is as a bunkai of a form because it's going to change. You know what I mean? So if, if somebody right. does a technique, it's never going to be laboratory conditions. Exactly. Exactly. It's, exactly. So yes, it's going to work because you're taking, you might just take the downward block. Somebody's throwing a kick. You go into a front stand, you take the downward block portion of that bunkai. Yes. Yes. But maybe he yeah. switches it up and, and he comes at you with a front kick, fake front kick, high round kick. So now right. all of a sudden you have to go downward block, outward block, reverse punch. Right, right. So exactly. Same thing, different sequence. So yes, yes, it works because it gives you a toolbox to pull from, not necessarily the order that it's taught. Good, yeah. I'm glad that you uh, that you put it that way because I, I was just going to say that. What about what about you, Sensei Wayne? What are your thoughts on kata applicable to the real world? Uh, it all it all depends. Um, like with our style, we use all all natural stances. We don't use a lot of deep stances at all. 
uh, arms mm-hmm. are all like, you know, heel toe position, things like that. Yeah. So uh-huh. we don't, I mean, you can't really, even with our stars, you, I mean, there's a few moves you can do that can translate, but, you know, like you said, it's just a, that's your toolbox. Well, you know, they only give you the basic information that you need in your owner's manual, right? Give right. the basic information that you need. Well, that's basically what kata is. It's just giving mm-hmm. you the basic techniques. Even even though they can seem advanced, there's still basic techniques that can be applied to, you know, certain techniques. You know, you don't have mm-hmm. to take an entire kata and think that that's the way it's, you know. Exactly. You have to pick each each bug kata out from beginning to end as one, one you know, continuous process. No. Yeah. You pick a technique, you know, just one technique, just part of a technique, you know, out of your bunkai, uh, mm-hmm. could be for a complete, you know, takedown or whatever. Um, so I don't, I don't look at kata the same like everybody else does. I mean, I, I kind of look at it like I said, um, you know, not all styles can really use, you know, can't really change it over. Yeah. To, you know what I mean? Yeah. They are just basic yeah. techniques. But what you can do is take those and build on them. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I, I, there's very like usable, usable techniques in Alcada. Mm-hmm. You know, but but to be able to transfer it over as far as the way the moves are done in the kata, no, not really. Mm-hmm. You can't change it over easy like that. Yeah, but, you can't. Uh, but to and, take those, but, yeah. yeah. But to take those techniques and build upon those techniques. Mm-hmm. To make it a more, you know, a little bit more advanced technique that you know is going to work. You know, you just take those and you just build upon them. Yeah, yeah, and and that that those are both great uh, great explanations of that. And I hope that students are listening because you know sometimes students will kind of poo poo kata because they just want to get right into kumite, right? You know, I was like mm-hmm. that for a little bit when I was like a purple belt, right? I wanted to spar. I didn't want to do kata, 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 kata. But, you know, later on, I realized that all those repetitions of, of those moves that had to be perfected just so, even with the downward block forward stance, you know, it made me realize that it gave me, you know, the skills that allowed me to spar in a, you know, in a controlled but non-controlled manner against someone mm-hmm. who's unpredictable, right? How not to mm-hmm. flail your arms about like a, you know, like a wild monkey, but rather to keep your technique like, you know, in tight and, and strong and how to move your feet and stuff like that. Um, now, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and add on to what you guys said. And, uh, you know, and again, I hope students, any student out there is listening to what, you know, Master Bob and Master Riley had said. Um, it's it's all about <coughs> providing tools for a toolbox um, and giving you uh, basically a sense of reference um, from what they said. And, and that you can't really use the order of a kata to fight with, okay? Because, you know, and this is where I'm going to add on to it, is that each movement... Okay, or I shouldn't say each movement, but each each interval of time between the movements teaches you an uh that kind of a interval in time. So a lot of times my students pay attention only to the completed movement, the down block, right? But in, you know, in our 12th kata, what they miss 
is that you have to kind of pull back into a cat stance, bring up your elbow and put down your right hand before you put down that left down block. They, they forget that movement, right? Um, so, you know, they think, oh, I'm blocking a kick. And then, I, I, then if I say, mm, well, no, you, you could be blocking a kick, but you're also parrying that jab coming in, kneeing them in the thigh to get them to move backwards, striking them in the groin, and then giving a, giving a shot to the nose. They're like, well, where do you see that? <laughs> well, it's in the transition. So, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the transitions between movements are also important. And that is also part of the references mm-hmm. that it's teaching you. Um, but, you know, for a student to hear us talk about what Kata gives you, you know, it's easy to understand academically. But students, really, you have to do thousands of repetitions before your body will understand it. So, you know, don't, you know, don't listen to what we have to say and say, oh, I got it. You know, I'm going to master my katas now in two weeks, right? <laughs> right. You know, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of repetitions, you know, for you to, to crystallize it into your skill set. Because it's it's kind of like what, what we always refer to, your toolbox, right? You know, I mean, a, a master carpenter can think of at least a dozen ways to use a screwdriver other than use a screwdriver. Most people will only use a screwdriver for screwing screws or unscrewing them, but a master carpenter will know how to use it a bajillion other ways. So until you use that tool thousands of times and think outside the box, you know, you're not going to get it. So you know, that master carpenter can tell you, hey, you can use it for this, you can use it for that. And you go, yeah, 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 but are you going to remember it? Probably not. So that's kind of my little analogy for students to be able to keep practicing the kata and be aware of what you're doing at any given time. That's how you improve. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, um, let's see. My student, John, had just uh, put in a request for a subject to talk about. So we're going to kind of move away from the similarities of the martial arts, or it might actually be part of the same subject. John asks, how does the martial arts impact our friendships and families? Does it strengthen our bonds or drive them away? So that could be a very personal thing. I don't know if we can really generalize that, but let's, uh, you know, let's, Let's start. Let's start with Bob. <laughs> do, you, do you know how many? Do you know how many divorces I've seen martial arts cause? Oh, a bunch. I know, right? A bunch, yeah. Uh, it d- does not strengthen friendships. <laughs> All our wives, girlfriends, husbands, boyfriends, hate our martial arts friends. Can't stand <laughs> the sight of them. My wife hates going to hates going to these things that. And like the museum because of egos and things like that. She met some really nice people, but for years, it's like, I'm not going with you. These people are nuts. So, <laughs> in some cases, that's true. <laughs> what about you, Wayne? How, how, has, how has it been for you all these, all these years? How has it been? I, I I can't even remember what what the question was. 
or oh, whatever. Okay. Wow. Wow. I'm still laughing okay. in my head about Bob. <laughs> the, qu- the question is, how does martial arts affect relationships? Uh, we'll just say relationships in general. It could be family, friends, coworkers. You know, does it strengthen bonds or drive them away? Um, and I said initially Both. that it's it's probably a personal thing. There is no general answer to right. this. And Wayne says both. You know, can you reiterate both. on that a bit? Um, it, it, it caused a lot of issues with my with my first marriage. Um, mm-hmm. So when it, you know, a lot of family issues because of it. Because you know, it, I was taking time away to go and you know do my thing, but not help the fa- you know I was you know right. like I was with the family when you know just leaving on one parent, but. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that caused a, a big issue with my with my first marriage, mm. and uh, and martial arts. Uh, I've I've lost friendships over martial arts. Really? Yeah. Wow. How how so? I mean, they you know they they just figure that there's not enough in common, or how does that work? Um, no, there was just a. It boiled down to a lot of business issues, but it was you know oh. the martial arts business that caused you know. The, the friendship to uh, oh yeah to decline. Um, he was just one that you know what he did was the best, and you know everybody mm. else is just they suck, you know. But oh yeah, it's just the way he was. But right. you know, that, that issue, you know, it, I mean, it's 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 actually more than one issue. To, you know what I mean? But it was still through through talk like that and just other things that happened. It just. It built up to just. I mean, I don't even look back on those days. Uh, I'm, I'm glad he's gone. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. When it comes to business, yeah, you know, the, you know, they say that it's that it's tough to go into business with a friend. Um, yeah. Because eventually, yep. you know. Uh, but you know, I had always wondered about that because you know, even if you go into business with a total stranger, you eventually end up friends. So I guess it's just a matter of, you know, do the personalities mesh and do both people have the same vision for mm-hmm. the for the business, right? Um, you know, and the business partner I had, the reason why it had lasted as long as it did was because we had the same vision. You know, there were disagreements, mm-hmm. but there were there were we had the same vision and we knew that there had to be compromise for, you know, for the vision to come to fruition. So um, you know, that's why it worked out so well. Um, now, back to what John said, you know, does it strengthen bonds or drive them away? You know, and to John, I say it kind of depends on what side of the coin you're dealing with. If you're dealing with the martial arts side, then, yes, you're strengthening bonds. Okay. Uh, I can say right now that most of my friends, like 99% of my friends and all of ours too are martial artists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't 10%, I don't I don't have any friends that's not. Yeah, the other 10% are either, you know, significant others of our friends or people that are interested or people that are very supportive of their friends or what we do. Right? But for the right. most part, yeah, for the most part, all of my friends are martial artists or people that we work for, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I work at a, I work at a, a, at a place for my day job where, 
like nobody's a martial artist. Teach it, and I make kids a martial artist. So it's kind of like, okay, so I'm still around people that are martial artists. I'm constantly around people that are martial artists. There's not a time when I'm not. Um, and uh, so you do strengthen bonds and form friendships and, you know, form lifelong uh, relationships. Yeah on the martial arts side. However, on the other side, what I like to call the quote unquote, the civilian side, um, it all depends on whether or not they understand your passion. Okay. So for, I've met people that, that say that they choose not to uh, socialize with non-martial artists because, Oh, they just don't get it. They just don't understand. They just don't understand the warrior way and why I want to live this way or whatever. Well, to that I say, do they have to? You know what I mean? Do they have mm-hmm. to understand you? Do they have to act the way that you want them to? Like, for example, you know, I love being part of traditional ceremony. I love the ceremony of you know, bowing to the sword before I practice Iaido. I love the ceremony of how you enter the dojo if you're practicing Kudo. It's like a kata in and, in and of itself. I, I love the etiquette. I love the tea ceremony. I love, I love all that stuff. But because someone else doesn't understand why I like, you know, set patterns of behavior for these, for these ceremonies, doesn't mean I can't form a relationship with them, Okay. Um, and you know, I've met a lot of people like that, that are so staunch about, I don't want to deal with people that don't do martial arts. They don't get me. They don't understand it. Well, stop and think folks, why aren't you stepping out and meeting them halfway? Why aren't you, you know, isn't that what martial arts is all about to step out and engage with people? It doesn't have to be an opponent. It's about engaging with people. And if you don't step mm-hmm. out and make the entry, that block ain't going to do shit. That parry ain't going to do shit. That cool block with your sword, that cool parry cut with that sword isn't going to work unless you make your entry. Okay? I always tell my students that martial arts only works off of a committed attack, right? And you have to engage with it for your technique to work. So for those people that say, I, I'm not going to even, I'm not even going to, you know, socialize or even talk or be around people that don't do my warrior way well then you're you're being just as those people are that you hate Mm. so much right so get out there you know get out there and meet them halfway and say hey this is why explain to them why you love the martial arts explain to them why hey i really like having to memorize how to walk into a dojo correctly (laughs) (laughs) you know uh, you know, and it, and it, yeah, I, I'm serious. It's like a, you know, entering the Kudo Dojo is like a kata in and of itself. And if you step in with the wrong foot during testing, you fail. You do one wrong move, you fail. And it's like, holy crap, no pressure. But it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, that is what I thrive on. I thrive on that sense of ceremony and that sense of everything has to be done just so. Same with the tea ceremony. I love watching tea ceremony shihans do their thing because each movement is so precise and so scripted yet it looks like they're just doing it any which way they want 
and that's 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 the beauty of of martial arts and kata. Now we're getting back into the previous thing that we were talking about. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, and that's uh, I, and I really want my student John to to listen to what we have to say about that because, you know, and I'm gonna talk to him like he's actually on the line. John, you know, you 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 have been on a path of martial arts largely without the guidance of a teacher. There's nothing wrong with that. However, nothing wrong with that. Um, I do have my reservations about, you know, learning martial arts without a teacher and saying that you're, you've mastered something, right? I do have reservations about that. However, you know, with a teacher, only with a teacher do you get what we have been through. You get our experience. Wouldn't you guys agree, Bob and Wayne? Yeah. You get the experiences that we've been through. You get the stories of of how we were trained. You get how we are now because of our experiences when we were coming up. You can't get that on YouTube. You can't get that reading a book. You can't get that just from training with someone else that's, you know, close to your own level. Even though people might think, you know, and I've met people like this where they go, oh, I sparred with someone and I beat, I beat everybody. I've even had people that come to my school. I want a place that will be a challenge to me because I've beat all the black belts at my Taekwondo school. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> okay. Didn't you even stop to think that maybe the black belts are going a little easy so you can learn something? You really want those Taekwondo people to go hard on you? Really? You know, and then they get to my right. school and then they go, holy crap, this is hard. Well, this, this is our white belt class. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, um, but no, seriously, though, joking aside, for any student out there, you know, I get it when you're you're in a place where you can't get to a dojo. We get it that you know, uh, lessons can be very expensive. We get that. We get that. It's hard to travel from one place to another. We get that. But when you can get your hands on a bona fide instructor, realize that you are getting their experience, not their skill. You can't get their skill, period. No matter how much you try, you're not going to be your sensei or sifu or sub them or whatever. Um, teaching that they give you because of what they had to go through. And that's, that's important. So um, in that sense, you know, if you can realize that and, and realize and be, you know, sympathetic and empathic to the experiences that your teachers had, that can strengthen bonds with anybody if you have those skills, right? Um, It's not a matter of, who I don't want to hang out with, who I don't want to learn with. It's a matter of who do I seek out that that I know can teach me, right? So, John, there is a quote, and, it's, and I forget if it's like Confucius that said it or whatever, but the quote says, among any three people, there is my teacher. It could be anyone. It could be the janitor you know, at the Starbucks, something like that. Doesn't doesn't matter. You can learn from anybody. You just gotta open up your mind and your heart to it, man. That's all you gotta do. All right. So there's that. Oh look, I got a I got a message from 
my student. Let's see what he says. He says, hi, I'm listening. Okay, very good. So I, I hope you take that into consideration, that you're getting experience, not technique. Techniques, folks, will get you killed. Concepts and the principles, right, that will save your ass. So anyhow, <coughs> that's what Kata's for. Yay. All right. So what time is it? It is 1230 already? What the hell? <laughs> yeah, right? <clears throat> what the hell? It is 1230. So we've got 30 minutes left to our live broadcast. So if anyone wants to call in and talk about anything, training tips, or John, if you're listening, if you've got any other questions that you want us to address, write it on the messenger there. Um, give us a call, 347 Six seven seven zero six nine nine. If there are any other masters out there that want to call in and and uh, join in on on the conversation of what we uh, we're uh, are currently talking about, um, or if they want to just change the subject, let's do it. <laughs> All right, I got a text. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. Okay, what do you got? I want to know. I got a question for Susan and Wayne because we talked about this on the uh, on the messenger with with Pete. Right. Does karate have any sensitivity drills? Oh, good. Sensitivity good, good. drills? Good, good, good. My good, Bluetooth good. went off. I don't know if you got all that or not. <coughs> I, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I did. Um, was it? You said, does it have uh, any sensitivity drills? Correct. Like like chi sound in Wing Chun or pushing pushing hands in, in Tai Chi. Now we we do we do one for uh, uh, to build up sensitivity of, of the the fingers and the hands and alongside the arms. Um, it's not a it's not a hard hitting set of techniques. They're just they're just mm-hmm. done softly to flow. You know, from punch to block to block punch things like that. We, but you know they're mainly for sensitivity in your in your hands and your fingertips and your your uh, forearms. Oh, cool. But Very I don't know cool. if too many others that that do. Well, then, then to, to a point, it's it's very similar. One of the points that uh, Pete wanted us to bring up about uh, cheese salad and pushing us. Mm-hmm. The uh, do you Pete remember? Said, yeah, let me let me look at the the message here. Uh, he said, "Oh, too many messenger things open." Um, did, did he really say he, that? Oh, the simil- uh, he wanted to know. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. He wanted to. Uh, he wanted to know about the similarities between these types of energy or sensitivity drills, like chi sao versus you know, like Filipino tapi tapi or sinawali or push hands or anything else like that. He wanted to know about. <coughs> you know, are there similarities? Um, so now, like in Botokukan Karate, um, I think it was only a regional thing. Um, we had drills that involved sensitivity, and it well, we called it like you know wrist kumite, where you had to stay connected with a wrist or a pinky or a thumb or an elbow or even one knee, and spar from there. You had to stay connected, right? The you know stay mm-hmm. connected and then stay connected literally at the hip that was hard, you know, um, 
you know, but I think it was more of a regional thing because there there were there were many regions out here in the Pacific Northwest that taught things a little bit differently, and the Seattle Puget Sound region was largely taught by Master Bob Long, and he was one that always thought outside of the box and made up different drills and different hand techniques and stuff like that to challenge how we sparred and challenged and challenge us how we did our kata and how we um, built. They didn't do it on the other side of the water on, on the, uh, on the peninsula region. Right. Um, but we did, you know, things that are, that were very similar to Chisau and, and what we now know as Tapi Tapi or Sinawali or Hubud Lubid in the Filipino martial arts. You know, when I started learning Filipino martial arts, I was like, Oh my God, we did this in karate. You know, and it and it uh, translated a lot. Um, I think that I think it's safe to say that the only that the only difference between like Chisau, push hands, tapi tapi, hubud, sinawali, and and stuff like that is is how you start off, how you start your point of reference, right? You know, like Chisau, you know, has its you know way of setting up right who would Levid has it right. different ways of setting up push hands has a dozen different ways of setting up you know i think that's the only thing that differs because you know sensitivity is sensitivity sticking is sticking adhering is adhering it doesn't doesn't matter what you call it <laughs> right <coughs> but now how does i don't know i don't know much, if at all, about Chi Sao Bob. So how do you set up? You set up with a Tan Sao and a Bong Sao? How does that work? Uh, you set up with a Tan Sao and a Bong Sao. That's in double Chi Sao. Single Chi okay. Sao might set up with a Tan Sao and a punch. Oh, okay. Because okay. you're working one side, then you're punching in the other person. Tan Sao, then you do different entries. Oh, but yeah, okay. Double, double Chi Sao is, is a fuck and a Bong. Mm-hmm. Foot okay. is riding, bong mm-hmm. is raising. Mm-hmm. Right? Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I've got, I've actually got my hands up in the position. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that makes, yeah, that makes sense. You know, and 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 push hands has its own variation of like bong and ton or fuk and ton and bong. <laughs> I know it sounds like we're swearing, doesn't it? Um, swearing yeah. about swearing about weed. <laughs> That's right. Just remember, if you, just remember, Rusty. If you can't ton it, fuck it. Yep. And if they can't ch- take a jute, fuck them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anyhow. Uh, <laughs> oh, my Wing Chun friends. I hope you. I, I hope you like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like Tai Chi has its own variation of of you know ton and ton and ton and ton and bong. <laughs> Don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> just, just damn it. <laughs> anyway, um, no, but like we have we we have pung, not bong, but it 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 kind of has like the same kind of the same structure. So we have pung, right? And then we have um, the other one, which we call, what's called, it's actually called jang, which just means palm, in general, palm, right? Which is what tan means, right? It just means 
Does it just right. generally it, mean palm? Or palm, yeah. palm, palm up. Where <laughs> okay. carrier palm box up. might be palm down. Palm right. down, okay. So, like, for us, dong is more like any kind of palm. It could be forward, down, up, sideways, in your face, whatever, right? So we got pung and dong. And the setup, you know, now that I've got my hands in the setup, and now that I'm thinking about it, you know, and we have to remain round. We have to have the sense of pung, which is ex- expansion. So pung or the ward off hand is, is not only a technique, but it's the, the body shape. You have to be expanded, yeah? As it would be from what I'm, what I've seen you do with Chisel and what I've seen um, Master Clark Tang do. It's a sense of expansion and forward projection, yeah. And yeah. Uh, now that I'm sitting here with my hands in the in the pung and I'm getting my terms mixed up now. I'm going between bong and ton and pung and dong. <laughs> oh Lord, I have my hands in the in the traditional double push hands position, and all I have to do is change the the height for a lower hand and we've got bong and ton. It's amazing how that works. Right. right? Our circle is a little different, right? It goes more horizontally. It can go diagonally in a figure eight motion, but that's, you know, that's what I see you guys doing. It goes in all in in all spheres of movement. Um and I and I and really, you know, that's why I think the only thing that differs is how you set up. You know, hubudlubid is the same way. It looks like it's linear in its in its uh, you know standard mode, but you know, once you get moving on it, and go and go, it can go in all spheres of motion. Um, Sinawali drills, you know, with the sticks. You know, a lot of people think that okay, you know, you see the sticks and the sticks are at you know are losing contact. Well, yeah, they kind of do, but you'll notice that every time one stick loses contact, another one makes adhesion. Right. Even in, right. in our, even in our drills that involve, you know, the lob tick and wit tick, you know, the, the follow through and the, and the retraction is yeah, always retract, a right. stick that's making contact when you retract. And then when you apply that empty hand to your who would libid or, you know, or chisau or um, or Toiso, then there you go. Or even karate. You know, I've taught like, you know, several karate schools around here and taekwondo schools, just very basic rudiments of, of, you know, Filipino energy drills and Chinese energy drills. And it's amazing what they, they, they just jump out of the box and they just do all sorts of great stuff with it. Just amazing stuff. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's, that's awesome. You know? And uh, I asked one Taekwondo practitioner, do you guys have any energy drills? They're like, mm, not that we know of. I'm like, really? As well as you guys kick and literally can block with your feet and kick someone in the blink of an eye. There, you don't have any energy drills? You have to. There's got to be, right? Right, right. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I, think, uh, I think that's about it for that particular subject. There really is no difference. Uh, wouldn't you guys agree? I guess. No, a little bit, maybe angulation, circular, circular compared well, yeah. to, to linear, small yeah. stuff like that, but not nothing really, maybe footwork. Yeah, that's exactly, it, maybe really. footwork. Yeah, uh, that's about it. But, like, you know, sensitivity is, you know, sensitivity. I mean, I've seen, um, I've seen push hands matches that turn into what looks like judo with their footwork, right? <laughs> Don't kid me, uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's really cool. Or I'll see, you know, push hands where 
someone will try to like slap away a hand and then it ends up looking like Hubud Labid or Chi Sao. And I, and it just amazes me how, you know, watching skilled practitioners actually, you know, work in the rings, how it, how it all just comes together, you know, and it just really cements what we were talking about last week that all the martial arts are the same. The only thing that's really different is how it's taught and where it's from. (laughs) And that's about it. So uh, we've only got about 20 minutes left of our broadcast. So if anyone has any last minute uh, subjects that that you'd like for us to address here on open mic, um, just give us a call 347-677-0699 or on my live post on uh, my profile page on Facebook. You can go ahead and, and type uh, in the comments under that. Um, I keep getting pinged and I don't know who's pinging me. Uh, oh, okay. I can deal with that later. <coughs> Yay. All right. So what about you, Wayne? Do you have any, anything, uh, anything just off the top of your head that you kind of want to talk about any events going on in your area or anything interesting that, uh, you've taught lately? Did we lose Wayne? Wayne, where are you, Wayne? Bob, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're not there. Oh, I don't know. I can't Wayne, Are you still there? Wayne? Wayne, are you still there? I can't hear you. Wayne? Wayne, 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 Wayne. Wayne! Wayne, are you still there? (laughs) (laughs) Wayne, Wayne, can you hear us okay? Maybe not. I guess not. Maybe not. We can hear each other. We can hear, yeah. I can hear that there's something on his line, but I don't know... If he's in a place, because you know how, like, with my cell phone, I'm I'm on Wi-Fi right now, right? But if I go right. out my back door of my studio, I lose it for some reason, which is weird because the router is the the actual um, the actual uh, not the router because the router is above my head, but the actual um, connection to the internet is in the same end of the building as my back door. But if I go out my back door, I lose my Wi-Fi. It's weird. So maybe it's something like that. Who knows? Oh, he's gone. He lost. He lost Wi-Fi. <laughs> I, I love this. I saw this on on Facebook. It says, "I'm so glad I grew up in the '70s and '80s. I did so much stupid shit, and there's no record of it anywhere." <laughs> and you know, I I uh, I don't I don't know if you saw it, but I I posted. Um, that picture of a cassette player and said, the youth of today will never know our struggle. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? Yeah. And it's true. Okay. So we're going against all like martial arts right now because um, I got to tell this story because, you know, youth today, they've got Spotify, they've got YouTube red. You can, you can, um, you have access to music 24 seven. You've got iPods, you've got, you know, all sorts of stuff that, that you can store thousands and thousands of songs on and listen to them at any given moment, anytime you want. You've got like all of the world's records at your fingertips. Whereas in me and Bob and Wayne's case, we had to wait for an allowance 
to just get the 245s that that allowance would be able to allow us to buy, right? And we would play that record till it was unplayable. <laughs> yes, yes. You, so if we were you know lucky, my, yeah. Well, do you know what my first my first truck had an eight track? Yeah. <laughs> and my first eight track was Kit. You know, uh, my first car was a Volkswagen Rabbit, and it had an eight track. And my first eight track was Chicago. I forget wh- which one. I think it was Chicago's Greatest Hits. And the weird thing about the weird thing about cassettes and eight tracks, oh, youth of today, was that if you didn't have an automatic, you know, seek on your cassette player, you had to keep going fast forward, play, fast forward, play, fast forward, play, just to find the end of right. a damn song. <laughs> oh my God, right? yes. Well, the you were, yeah. track is you could jump tracks. Yeah, that was the neat thing about jumping tracks with eight tracks. Yeah. And uh, Bob and I also come from the age of reel-to-reel. <laughs> right. Uh, the well, first, well, you do yeah. because that was more of an audio engineering thing that you studied in college. That was yeah. more of a communication. We never used reel-to-reel in real world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we also came from the age of reel-to-reel projectors. Yeah. Remember oh, my those? God. God, you're old. <laughs> Reel-to-reel projectors. It would make that noise. You knew when the teacher would bring in the reel-to-reel, you knew it was going to be fun because it was movie day. <laughs> so, remember the sound it made when the movie was over? Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. <laughs> Where, the, the... <laughs> it would make that yeah. sound. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and if the teacher's asleep, and the reel is just flapping around, <laughs> you know, and you didn't know how to turn that shit off. You were like, oh, my God, right? So anyway, right. Um, another thing that we had to deal with was if you were lucky and you got that shiny new 45 or shiny new LP, you could, you would have enough money to buy a brand new cassette and you would record that album. By setting that cassette recorder next to your stereo, just so you would have something to play in your car. Quality would be shitty, <laughs> you know, and then you'd get all pissed off if someone in the background started talking and you'd have to start all over. <laughs> I had that. Yes, yes. My mother used to do that to me all the time. Oh, my God. And then would come that time where your cassette player, you'd hear that noise. You'd hear something like, you know, music, 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 music. That meant that it ate your freaking tape. And you you would sit there and you'd push the button. You'd think, I think I caught it. And you'd pull out the tape and there'd be hundreds of feet all over the place. In your player. In your player. In your player. And you'd have to be very careful to pull it out. And God forbid if you broke it. And then you're sitting there with an eraser and a little (laughs) tiny piece of scotch tape. And you're trying to repair that sucker. And you're thinking, should I iron this? (laughs) Can you iron tape? I don't know. Mom, can you iron cassette tape? No, you'll melt it. What are you, stupid? Yeah, that's what went on in my house. 
Well, I was driving some way around this morning, and, and we were reminiscing, and I said, yeah, you remember when you wore your father's TV remote? <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. Or you were the antenna. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. <laughs> Standing to- on one foot. Yeah, you'd have to, like, hold on to the antenna because it was something about the magnetic field or something, right, you know, and you would hold it. Okay, that's great. So when my dad used to watch wrestling, we used to watch uh, wrestling on Channel 13, 13 would barely come in unless you, you know, made up some weird otherworldly shape with tinfoil and a coat hanger or either me or my sister would stand next to the TV with our hand on it with, like, one end pointing at our face, because that's the only way it would work. If you tried pointing it anywhere else with, with your hand on it, it wouldn't work. The, the, it had to be pointing at our face. We could watch wrestling that way by looking, like, down and over the top of the TV. <laughs> These were the struggles we put up with. <laughs> there were no playlists. There was nothing. So... The youth, the youth will the youth of today will never understand that. Uh, we got Wayne back, and I and I got to tell this story too. When my when my nieces were little, uh, we were playing all sorts of CDs, and they uh, they really like you know soundtracks to Disney movies and stuff like that. So you know we would buy them CDs, and um, they asked, Auntie, did you and mommy have CDs when you were growing up? And I kind of laughed, and I looked at my sister, and I said, oh, those round things? Yeah, let me go get one. So I went into a back room, and I pulled out a bunch of 45s and LPs, and I laid them out in front of them. And they kind of looked at it and goes, how do you, how do you stick that in a CD player? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to literally go and find an old turntable and uh, an old set of like you know cruddy speakers or whatever, and play LPs for them. Well, you you do know those are big again. They're selling record they players, are. and yeah. yeah, it's the weirdest thing. It is. They're se- they're selling record players, and I think it's because one of the reasons is number one, DJs DJs use it a lot for mixing, and two, uh, they sell digital. Um, turntable so that way you can actually in real time play a record and record it digitally digitally oh. to mp3 format well, i mean how cool I would that be a moron. i was with my 18 year old daughter and my wife and first thing i see was going to a store the journey lp i went <laughs> wait a minute how are they going to play this and yeah. she looks at me gives me the rca dog look it's just, uh-huh. yeah, they sell record players right over there. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's oh. back. I know, right? Yes. The 60s and 70s are back. It's, it's, it's crazy. Well, you know, I still, have some, I still have some clothes from the 70s. So if the 70s come back, I'm set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The only problem is I can't fit in some of them. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the problem. That's a problem. I'm a little bit thicker. Anyhow, we are getting close to the end of our broadcast. Do you have any last anything you want to talk about there, Sensei Wayne? No, not really. <laughs> cool. Well, that was actually kind of fun, and you know, that um, was. Yeah, it's uh normally 
normally when we do these open mics, you know, sometimes we either get an influx of people and there's like, you know, no time to get to everybody or we have nobody, you know, but it was really great to have, to have uh, our sometimes co-host Wayne Riley joining us. So thanks Sensei Wayne for joining us. It was, it was really kind of fun way to, to spend uh, a couple of hours sipping on yeah. tea and stuff like that. Yeah, it was kind of it was kind of cool to to just kind of shoot the breeze for a little bit. All right, so with that said, we will be back on the 25th. Um, I'm not quite sure what our subject's going to be, although I do want to. I still want to get into the mindset of martial arts um, because we really didn't go too too much into it last time the mindset of martial arts versus the mindset of self-defense and self-protection we didn't get into it last week because we kind of delved off of things that could make for another show in and of itself but i still want to talk about the mindset um about it because i taught a self-defense workshop yesterday and we talked about the differences between how men view self-defense and how women view self-defense and it's all about and and how the mindset for women you know can be different than men i mean i don't know because i'm not a guy but you know, the mindset for women tend to be different because we think differently we we tend to look at things differently and we approach things differently um so i kind of want to talk about that um because you know i don't know i mean i i, I know that when i teach self defense generally in my actual class, not in an actual, you know, you've got like four hours to learn how to defend yourself type of thing, right? Um, that I tend to be from what other other guys have said, I tend to be kind of like a guy in my teaching method, in the way I approach things and how gruff I can be and stuff like that. And I kind of go, what are you talking about? You know, but then when I'm teaching you, women... You go to those classes before your coffee, though. you know so i think that so that's a reminder for me so before i start teaching tai chi before uh before the uh, usa martial arts hall of fame seminar or whatever i should have coffee that way i come across it i don't want to learn tai chi from this crazy woman what's going on so anyway so i do that's why i do want to talk about the mindset of martial arts and the mindset of self-protection. How are they different? How are they similar and stuff like that? All right, so we'll try to address that next Sunday. So uh, we hope everyone will uh, tune in and uh, have a great rest of the weekend, everyone. Bye-bye now. Bye, Wayne. Bye-bye. See ya. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.